0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647-US12-WEST in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we started that last song with just the proclamation that we love you. I love you, Lord. Father, may... How do I... How do I say this, Lord? May that be even more true when we leave here. May we understand what that means. May we, because of beholding your goodness, love you more, and may that show up in our lives uh, even more, Lord, as far as uh, being transferred into action. Uh, Yeah, Lord, would you just powerfully use this time and your word in our lives, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, I, had, I don't get a whole lot of feedback on my sermons. Some <laughs> of you are like, yeah, we can tell. Uh, we, we would have a few things to tell you, but um, my, I told you, I have to, my wife has to tell me every week it was a good sermon. It's just kind of a marriage safety thing. Uh, she has learned it's not worth giving me the old him-ha about it. You might as well just tell them it was good even if it wasn't, and uh, she's learned to do that. But uh, last week I got an interesting comment. Somebody told me, they said, you're not as funny as you used to be. Um, I, re- <laughs> I know they weren't talking about my looks because I still got that down, uh, but uh, I, I didn't really know how to respond. I said, okay, um, all right, sorry about that. I'll sharpen up. Actually, I think there might be a reason. <laughs> you ready? Uh, now, going through Joshua, you know, the, the, believe it or not, any type of humor is the last thing that gets added into a sermon. And going through Joshua every week, I think there is just so much here. There are so many truths that we got to get to. And uh, there's not any room to sneak anything extra in there. In fact, I was kind of thinking we'd cover the whole book pretty thoroughly, as you might, if you've been keeping score at home. We got through in three months, basically up through chapter 10 last week of Joshua, 24 chapters, and I decided we're going to go ahead and jump to the end. I'm going to skip over some of the things about Joshua. giving out the land, or the allotment of the land. Not that there aren't some valuable truths in there too, but we're going to skip over a little bit of the final battles and Joshua giving out the land, and we're going to move to the end of the story where Joshua is giving his... Farewell address or his final thoughts, and uh, that's what we're going to look at today. And once again, I looked at chapters twenty-three and twenty-four, and I thought, "Yikes! This is this is so full of things." So don't anticipate any humor whatsoever, just so you know, <laughs> it's going to be a boring Noah. But uh, we're we're going to go with that. Uh, I did want to take a minute. We haven't spent a lot of times as we've as we've been going through this just talking about Joshua, and he really is an incredible Bible character. They say, and this is true of coaches in sports and pastors, they say, well, the one thing you never want to do is follow a legend, okay, because it goes legend, then lamb, and then leader. So the guy that has to follow the legend is usually like the sacrificial lamb, you know, he's got a tough road, everybody's going to be comparing him to the guy that was the founding pastor or the great coach that won the Super Bowls or anything like that. And hopefully you appreciate the fact that I'm trying to make it very easy for whoever follows me. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on that, but that's that's what we're giving there. But for Joshua, if you think about it, he followed the legend. He followed Moses. I mean, most people, if you said, who's the greatest Old Testament Bible character? They'd say Moses, uh, without a doubt. Joshua had to pick up now. Again, it was totally a God thing. God said, I will be with Joshua just like I was with Mo- Moses. So it's totally a God thing. But still, uh, he might have, if you really compare it, he might have even exceeded Moses in some ways as far as leadership goes. This is a good guy. Born into slavery. Uh, he was one of the two spies. You might remember that story from Deuteronomy where this. Um, uh, Wrong book, but uh, with a story where uh, Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land, and they came back, and they said, uh, hey, yeah, we got a big God. Everybody else said, there's big enemies. And he said, no, 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 we got a big God, bigger, th- bigger than that. And then he went on, of course, and has become a leader. Somebody, as I was reading about Joshua, they said this characteristic of his leadership. They said a good leader is somebody who wants to help others thrive in their pursuit of God. And I love that. I mean, that's a great thing for, hey, this is what a pastor should do. He wants to help others thrive in their pursuit of God. It's a great thing for anybody to do in the roles of leadership and influence that you have, whether that be with spouse or children or fellow workers or anything like that. What do I want to do? I want to help people thrive in their relationship with God. Well, that was Joshua. So we will look here at his final thoughts uh, as we look at chapters 23 and 24 of the book of Joshua today. Now, uh, so let's let's jump in. Verse number 1 of 23, a long time afterwards, let me just say, first of all, a long time after the victory a long time after Joshua had said decades after Joshua had said here's where you're living here's where you're living here's the land that you have so they've enjoyed some peace and prosperity weird thing but we always need to be careful during times of peace and prosperity there is a tendency to stray away from God during times of peace and prosperity. You know, Jesus talked about that whole idea of again, not that you cannot have prosperity and follow God, but it is difficult. Uh, he said you were, you were, have a tendency to love that other God. Maybe it is that money that you have. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he told him, he said, "Those that pursue prosperity are going to face all types of temptations." So there is a tendency to fall away sometimes when things are good. I mean, I don't really need God right now. I'm okay. So they now have had a few decades of prosperity, and Joshua has some final words for them. When the Lord had given rest to Israel from all the surrounding enemies... Joshua was old and well advanced in years, probably a little bit over 100. Joshua summoned all of Israel, its elders, its heads, its judges, its officers, and he said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. Probably figure that out. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake, okay? He's going to point out, you've watched God be strong. You've watched him demonstrate his might in your life. For it is the Lord God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you an inheritance for your tribes, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea of the west. Those are things we talked about before, but he's divided up the land to the different tribes. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess the land just as the Lord God has promised you. Okay, this is the same type of thing we've heard before. God has given a promise. God has given victory. Here you go. Let's 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 move on. Verse number 6. Joshua starts to get, therefore, okay, God has fought mightily for you. God has given victory to you. Therefore, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be strong to do this, to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it either to the right or to the left. I think you could summarize this with one word. I want you to obey. I want you to obey God. Knowing God's word, Great keeping God's word, being obedient to God. So important. Now, when I get, you know, start down this road, there's a caution flag that comes up in my mind because I've told you this many times. I do not want the times that we spend here together to be just simply a matter of, okay, let me give you some more things to do. Okay. Do keep and do. Okay. Here's a list. Here's your to-do list for the week. Here's what I want you to work on. Uh, when we reduce Christianity to a list of uh, rules that we're obeying, we have a little problem there. And I've stressed that hopefully enough over and over again, how important relationship is in parenting. To have rules, yeah, you ought to have rules. You need to have rules. But if you don't have relationship, you got a little problem there. Uh, so, you know, So I don't want to say, okay, it is just all about keeping the rules. But let's be honest. Joshua stopped and he said, hey, it's time to obey. Okay, it is time now to keep what the Lord said. These are the laws of God, the God who created you, the God who knows how you work. I'm going to give you some things to obey. Now, I want to say again, we're not obeying God so that he'll love us more. God loves because of who he is, not because of what we do. Wait, somebody should quote, write that down. God loves us because of who he is. That is his character. That is who God is. It is not because of what we do. We do not obey God, and we do not do good and keep his word so we can go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Did pastor really say that? Yes. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. The Bible says there are none good, none righteous. No, not one. We go to heaven because we're forgiven. So I'm not giving you a a a to-do list of, hey, this is how to keep God happy with you. I'm not saying that at all. What Joshua said is, he said, this is all that God has done. Now... Our, our response out of gratitude, our response out of now the relationship that we have with him, let us live for him. And by the way, it is just logical to obey God too. God has designed us. When he gave us the rules, he's the designer. He knows what works. So we want to obey. Second thing, verse number seven, he says, and that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of their names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow out to them. So here's, you know, the first point is God has called us to obedience. God has also called us to separation. Now, some of you, depending on your Christian past, that word separation could be a word. Like, because for some Christian groups, that's all they ever talk about. We need to be separate. Okay, I remember a sermon from when I was a teenager. And uh, I I remember it very well. You know how I like to do alliteration with points? Here was what the sermon was on. It was on uh, Bell Bottoms. Blue jeans and big heel boots. If you wear those things, you're the devil, basically. Uh, And then I also remember a sermon on wire-rimmed glasses because they were the uniform of the world, okay? And you you don't do that. You know, eventually I figured out, you know, the world breathes, too. Should I stop doing that? Um, You know, so it it can get kind of stupid as far as that goes, and you can. However, yes, it can get kind of stupid, but if I overreact and say that's not important, then I've missed this. Joshua said you need to stay separate. Well, what was he talking about? Do not mix with them. Do not uh, mix with them in such a way that their gods become your gods or their gods get added into your life or their priorities and their values take over your life Uh, I had a friend who ministered for a while in India and in the church they ministered there they would have a policy that if somebody came to trust the Lord and wanted to be baptized and following the Lord before they could be baptized they had to have a home inspection can you imagine that I'll be by on Tuesday uh, and see what's going on. But they had to have a home inspection because what they would do is they'd come through these homes in India and see if they had any gods, idols still in their home. Okay, now I would imagine that if I went to your home, none of you have a statue of Buddha. I don't think so anyway. Uh, some of you might have a picture of yourself that looks. No, we won't get into that. Uh, but, uh, the, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imagine that none of you you know, have a little statue set up or a worship center or anything like that. However, I do suggest to you that you do a little home inspection. It probably goes to your calendar and your checkbook. Okay? Because where our treasure is, where our talents are, where our time is, that is oftentimes the other gods that we're serving. And ma- so Joshua says, hey, number one. Number one, obey. Number two, separate yourself from the values, from the gods of these people. Let's go on. Verse number eight. But you shall do what? You shall cling to to the Lord. Okay? Just as you have done this day, for the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. No man... Of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. So be very careful. Here's what you're to be careful. Therefore, to love the Lord your God. What did Jesus say when he was asked the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So let's let's look at that a little bit. I mentioned that last song we sang began with the words, I love you, Lord. Okay? Now, I uh, have, I realize over the years different people, how do you say this, emote differently? (laughs) They have different levels of emotional, okay? And I I realize that. I, uh, I, yeah, I mentioned this, I'm not even great, I had never been, my family was kind of, (laughs) for lack of a better word, frigid I don't know, Uh, but as far as expressing love, I, sometimes I have a hard time doing that as much as I would like to. Uh, Some of you are, you're great about that. Now, on the other hand, when it comes to, you know, worshiping the Lord, I I like to, you know, feel it a little bit. I I don't know how else to say it. Uh, I am, you know, God gives you emotions. Now, but we realize this. If that is all that we have is some type of emotional thing, we're missing something. I mean, you know, the same is if I, you know, if I tell Francis all the time, I love you, honey. I just really love you. But then I don't live like it at all. Those words have no meaning whatsoever. You know, so I think when it talks about loving God, I think it's good. Uh, I mean, hopefully there's a little feeling there. Hopefully you sing a song sometime about worshiping Him and you think, Oh, He's awesome! But at the same, if that is all we have, if there's no action, if there's nothing that goes with that love, then, uh, you know, then somehow we're missing something. In fact, I I would say this, you know, sometimes... Worship, unfortunately, and this is not a criticism, I so much appreciate David and Adam trying to just point us to God and helping us worship Him and love Him. It's not a criticism at all, but what worship can become is all about me. It makes me feel good. Okay, and I'd like to point you to the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah, uh, before the Lord, during the greatest worship service that's described in Scripture, probably, it says that when they were worshiping God, Isaiah's response is, woe is me, for I am undone. So uh, what I'm saying is worship doesn't always just give me a good feeling. Sometimes, sometimes I am broken in my worship for God, sometimes I am humbled. Sometimes I am convicted of sin uh, in my worship for God. So it is not just how this makes me feel. You know, I love the, I love this great feeling. So let so let's think about. You know, what does it look like? Since we are commanded to love Him, what does that look like? I want to suggest a weird thing to you. One of the things that I would say to do is ask God to help you love Him more. <laughs> Very simply, dear God, I w- I want to love you with all my heart. That's what you command me to do. God, would you help me do that? I do recommend that you say those words. I love you, Lord. I mean, I would recommend that in any relationship. You know, let's let's express it that you say it. But I would also recommend that sometimes you just look and you say, hey, wait a minute, how can I put this into action somewhere? Um, in my walk, in my devotional life, sometimes when I realize that I am being a bu- Sorry, clean up my language. Oh no, that was pretty clean. That was clean. Uh, jerk. Uh, sometimes when I realize I'm being a, a very poor husband, uh, that type of thing, you know, I'll stop and say, okay, what can I do specifically to let my wife know that I love her today? Is there something that I could do? Sometimes it might be she likes flowers. So I go to the neighbor's house, I steal some out. No, I, uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes there's something, you know, that I can do very specific like that. Okay, what I am saying is, let's do that in our relationship with God also. Okay, God, I do love you. What is a way? How can I specifically demonstrate that love for you today? Okay, so Joshua says, hey, here we are. I'm getting to the end here, guys. I'm old. Uh, and I'm about to kick it. So uh, here's what I want you to do. Number one, make sure you're obeying the Word of God. Secondly, you do need to separate from the values of, the, of this world and the gods of this world. And thirdly, I want to make sure that you love God first. Now, I'm going to jump over to chapter 24. Uh, he goes through at the beginning of 24, and he lists all the things that God has done again, all the victories, anything to do, everything that God has provided. And then he says, now, therefore, okay, because God has done this, let's see Here's what I want you to do. I want you to fear the Lord your God and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness and put away the gods your fathers uh, served uh, beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. So another word that comes in here is this word. I want you to fear, obey, separate, love and fear. You say, Pastor, you've mentioned this a few times. No, God's mentioned it a few times. Uh, Over 50 times, God's commandment is fear the Lord. Someone defined this type of fear as a reverential awe that produces a humble submission to a loving God. Okay? And that is where we want to be. There's a couple things in particular that the book of Proverbs Proverbs tells us this this fear will produce. The fear of the Lord, I'm sorry, by the fear of the Lord, he turns away from evil. You got it? reverential all for God I don't want to do what's wrong because of my fear because of my love for him because of my humble respect for him because I know that he loves me and then also the writer of Proverbs in the fear of the Lord one has a strong confidence so that fear of the Lord produces a cleanliness in our life and it also produces a confidence in our life okay let me, let me develop this confidence idea for a little bit so we see what we're talking about here when we look at the idea of fearing God, there's a couple characters that the Bible talks about often as fearing God. One of them is Joseph. Uh, it often says talks about him having a fear for the Lord. Another, and actually the main one where it is used the most, is a guy by the name of Abram or Abraham. Some of you may be familiar, there's a story that gives us an awesome picture of God and the sacrifice of his son, where Abraham was taking his son to sacrifice him. Some of you remember that going up there. And as he was doing that, at God's command, he was told to go, and he's going to sacrifice his son. As he was doing that, there's an interesting part where Abraham turns around uh, to his servant, and he says, you wait here, we'll be back. He doesn't say, I'll be back he says, we'll be back. And it is obvious that Abraham knew that God was going to do something good there. Either God was going to provide a substitute or God was going to raise up his his son that was killed. God was going to handle it. God knew what he was doing. God wasn't going to make a mistake and he could trust him. That's the confidence that I'm talking about. We know that what God is, I might not understand it. I might not even it might be a while before, or it might be till heaven, uh, till I figure out exactly what God is doing and why God is doing it. But I can trust in a God. I have a confidence in Him. I have that reverential awe towards my heavenly Father who loves me, that produces a humble submission to me that says, first of all, I want to be clean. And secondly, I can be confident in who He is and what He's doing. Okay, you getting it? Now we get to the, what, what's a grand finale? Of what Joshua said, the pistols resist all. I have no idea what I just said, so don't. Uh, seems like a word I heard in a commercial one time. So let's uh, let's let's go, let's go on. Uh, so Joshua has said, "Fear God," and then he goes in and he says, "And if it is evil in your eyes," he's talking to the people. If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the God of your father served in the, in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the house where you dwell, you want to take one of these false gods, they're all over the place, pick one. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now we're going to look at that last part of that in a minute here, but let's go first of all to this, uh, that, just that word choose for a second. <sighs> It is it is a theological choice. It is a logical choice to decide that I am going to follow God. But Joshua gives a truth here. (laughs) I mentioned this in a sermon a few years back. There's a song written by Bob Dylan in uh, 1979, and its words are that right there. You got to. I'm sorry. Its title is You Got to Serve Somebody. And I know nothing I'm not a Bob Dylan fan Uh, and I actually didn't even research the song to see exactly why I wrote it but I did or why he wrote it but I did look up all the words. And when you look at it, it really is astounding because he, he, he captures this truth perfectly. He says, it doesn't, basically, I'm going to summarize, it doesn't matter who you are. He goes through and says, you could be this, you could be this, you could be this, you could be this. He says, it doesn't matter what you have. You could have this, you could have this, you could have like this. Basically, he comes back to the verse and he says, you got to serve somebody. And in his words, he says, could be God, could be the devil, but you're going to serve somebody. Okay, and you think about it, Jesus said, if you're not for me, you are against me. Uh, So, again, Bob Dylan kind of had this down pretty good, but the idea that we are going to serve somebody, Joshua is saying the same thing. Hey, you need to make up your mind. If you don't think it's right to follow God, you're going to make up your mind. You can go a different way. You can go that way, but know this, you will serve God. Somebody, somewhere, uh, somebody is going to get your allegiance and your support. Maybe it is very simply uh, money. Maybe it's this. I had a, last week, Jody's, Jody's not here today. They had a, a special retreat going on, Jody and Dave. But Jody was talking to my wife afterwards, and uh, I'm going to make that a rule. Jody is not allowed to talk to my wife afterwards for now on. But, uh, because she got her excited about buying soap okay, come on, uh, at the Buff City store, okay, yeah, anybody been to Buff City, anybody think when they saw, them? never mind, uh, but uh, no, no, Buff Buff City down there, and, and then she gets a text on Tuesday, she says, hey, they're having a one-day-only sale, so sure enough, Tuesday after dinner, my wife and I have to head for Buff City uh, for the sale here, stuff like that, but, uh, but it, anyway, do I smell good? <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> she goes in there, and uh, they, she's, uh, there's all these fragrances you can get for your laundry soap. I mean, just, you know, every, the place just reeks the whole town of Elkhart's mouth. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, walk in there, and uh, she says, I don't know what to get. And the lady says, well, do you want to know what our best seller is by far? Listen to this. It actually smells pretty good. Uh, I don't think these clothes were washed in it. But next week, I could be really fragrant. Uh, but uh, the uh, but she, the, here's, here's the name of the uh, number one seller. You ready? It's called Narcissist. <laughs> Anybody wash your clothes in Narcissist? Uh, there you go. Uh, right there. And they have all types of different. But how fitting is that, you know, just that idea, if that doesn't describe our society, that we are narcissistic, which is, Love me. Uh, worship me. But we do that with ourselves and here's the sad truth about that. We make a lousy God. <laughs> okay? So, but we are going to serve somebody. Okay? Bob Dylan uh, had it 100% right when it, when he said that. Again, I know nothing of his background or if he was trying to proclaim any type of biblical truth, but he definitely got one there. and uh, And that Love and that worship that we cultivate, you know, uh, needs to be directed towards God. So Joshua, first of all, says, "Serve." uh, uh, I'm sorry, choose. He says, "Choose, make it up. You're gonna, you're gonna serve somebody," and then he says this very plainly. plainly. He says, "But as for me and my house, we're gonna serve God." Now let's let's start just with the word "me" for a second here. This business of following God does start with that. It just starts with a personal commitment. I am going to serve God. Okay, when I do, and listen to this phrase, and you, you can think about this and see if you agree with me. When you do that, you will have an impact on other people. It may not be immediate. It may not be exactly how you want to have, but if you decide you're going to follow God, you make Him king of your life, that presence of Him in your life and that rule, that authority of Him in your life and that rulership of Him is going to impact other people. I read a sermon this week and one guy said, uh, your cat should know that you're a Christian. <laughs> Guess that wipes out killing cats uh, but, uh, the, uh, but he said your cat should know that you're a Christian Here's what he meant I heard a sermon by D- David Jeremiah one time Where he was talking about the revival at Nineveh That is described in the book of Jonah And as you read through there it's kind of a weird thing It talks about it says even the animals were changed Now that doesn't mean the animals hit the altar You know, yes, um, my dog should, but that that ain't going to happen. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean they hit the altar, but I think what it does mean is that the people were so changed, they changed in the way they treated their animals, and everything everything was different because they behaved differently because when God takes up residence and rulership in your life, things change, and that's what happened there. And there's so people are no different. So number one, if you're going, I mean, you can't lead where you're not going. Number one, As for me, secondly, how about for my house? They're going to follow too. There seems to be an implication here that parents can actually have a say in that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Okay? You can make a choice someday, and maybe you're going to walk away. But as for right now, my house, we're going to follow the Lord. This is what we're going to do. Man, the world needs the type of people that Christian homes can produce. And hey, I... A very personal note for a second here the last few weeks last couple weeks in particular I have had a very heavy heart for several friends that I have because of what is going on in their marriages and uh, probably you all have similar stories but uh, you know a couple of friends I have in particular that you just see folks you just see hey the, the family, the home, the marriage is the cornerstone of our society. And it is so vital, you know, just to the, the church, the country, everything, and in our very lives and our very happy, happiness. Can you not see where God uh, loves the family and loves the marriage and therefore his enemy hates the family and hates the marriage and is constantly under attack and we live in that world. Marriage is under attack. Everything that you hear of a, you know, sexual perversion is aimed at destroying the home and marriage. And by the way, we if you think about this for a second here, folks, what our world seems to do is say if we can introduce something that's even more perverted, you'll forget about this other thing over here. And people today have pretty much decided that, you know, sleeping together outside of marriage, that's fine doesn't matter that it's to be a, a relationship that's within the covenant of marriage. That doesn't matter. That's not that bad because now we got this and this and, you know, all the way down to wherever you want to go, pedophiles or, or wherever you want to go. And that's the bad thing, and this is okay. And you know, that's what our culture has done, and it, it has done everything that it can to attack and destroy marriages. Pastor Josh mentioned that on the 12th and 13th of May, we're going to have a little seminar here called The Art of Marriage. I'm not making any money off of this, I promise. We'll give you the price next week. It'll be very reasonable. We're not making money. But I'm going to tell you, you need to get there. Okay? Do everything that you can to get there to strengthen your marriage. This is not a marriage rescue. Okay, probably when a marriage is in really rough shape, you need more than a Friday evening, a couple sessions, and a few on Saturday morning. You probably need more than that. You need something more intense. But it is a marriage builder and a strengthener that we all need. My son was going for a job a couple years ago. Uh, He's a teacher, and he was looking at a different district, and, uh, and he didn't get it. And uh, they said, well, they said, we, we like you. But the other guy uh, that we picked, the thing about it is he's doing more to improve himself as a teacher. When we asked you what books you're reading or what you're studying, you said, Duh. and uh, therefore we're not hiring you. And uh, so he decided I'm going to go get my master's degree. And, and next time they ask that question, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to invest in improving. And we do that in so many other areas of life. We'll invest in, I've got to learn this so I can be better at my job. I've got to learn this. Uh, and, and even you know, better at sports or better athletically. But in the areas of our lives that are most important, our relationship to God and, and all, all times, oftentimes our marriages and our, and our families, we do diddly squat as far as investing. So I'm telling you, let's invest. Let's do this, okay? Uh, I, that's why we're saying save the date, mark it. You say, well, we were thinking about going away. Well, think about going away another weekend, okay? Uh, if, if you can, and come on that Friday and Saturday night and say, hey, we're going to invest in this and let somebody know that we care enough about this and that marriage is important enough that, um, that I'm going to, to make the time. I'm going to make sure I do that. Deuteronomy chapter 6 uh, God talks very plainly about His plan to pass on truth to future generations where He talks about uh, the Word of God and the truth of God being written upon the doorpost of your, of your house. But that is God's plan. I uh, was actually, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not, re- I don't read when I can listen. And I actually listened to a sermon of an old timer this week that was uh, read because so he was telling this old time story, okay, you ready? But he was talking about two cargo ships that were having a race down the Mississippi. They were filled with their cargo, but they were having a race, I believe it was from Memphis to uh, Louisiana, uh, New Orleans. And uh, in the middle of the race, the one cargo ship decided uh, they were, uh, they needed a little bit extra fuel. So they took the cargo and started to burn it. And they won. Good news, huh? but he said you know what many of us are doing in order to win the race of this life what we call the rat race in order to make sure we come out ahead we're willing to burn our cargo and he was talking about he said so many times we're so wrapped up in the values of this world that the cargo the precious cargo that we have of our families gets left behind got it Okay, old, old school illustration or not. I could have updated it. There were two jets. Uh, but, uh, but, what I, but understand what we're saying there is so many times that just is not the priority. Now, let me go to one more point here uh, as, we, as we read through more of the story. And then the people answered. Okay, Joshua said, hey, choose you this day. And the people said, we're in, baby. <laughs> they might not have said we're in, baby. That might be a paraphrase, but far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. So we're, we're no dummies, Joshua. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to for sure. And the Lord drove them out before us, the people of the Amorites who lived in that land. Therefore, we also will serve the lord. Joshua, you're going to serve the lord. We're going to serve the lord too. Look what Joshua says to them. <laughs> A weird statement, isn't it? Nay, you're not able to serve the lord. I was just giving you that talk for the fun of it. Uh, but I looked at this, and I thought, why would Joshua say that? Why would Josh, God, Joshua look at them? And, and they go on to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He, is, he will not forgive your transgressions you know, that you're going to hold on to here. Uh, I read through it, and their response to that is they came back and said, oh, yeah, we will. But Joshua gave them that statement, and that to begin with, that puzzled me. Hey, we'll follow. We are in, Joshua. Sign us up, babe. Put our names on the line. We're going to serve God. That's the route we want to take. And Joshua says, eh, you're not able. Okay. I'm not sure you can do that. All right. Why would he say that? I think largely... Uh, something that that calls to our remembrance is this. When the Apostle Paul was describing the battle that the Christian life is in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. He said, We're in a spiritual warfare. He said this statement. He said, Be strong, and then there's three more words, In the Lord. And as we think about this, I am not challenging you to Come on, buckle down and have more willpower. I am inviting you more than anything to realize that you need that. I mean, the last thing. Okay, honestly, the last thing that I want you to do is to learn to live the Christian life as far as what I mean is go through the motions and look like a good Christian. And have that relationship with God not evident. It's not really there. And and part of the reason why that is such a burden on my heart is been there, done that. Okay? I know how to do that. Okay? I know how. You think about it. Again, I have been a professional Christian my whole life, my whole adult life. I had to keep up the front. I know how to do it. And the last thing that I want to do is encourage you to do that. Learn how to play the game. Learn how to look good. If it is not the real thing that comes from a relationship and a connection with God, we're missing it. Be strong, folks, in the Lord. The team's going to come back up, and uh, so that we can close with a song. So I want to invite them to do so. Yeah, I just I have no desire to teach you a a behavior and ignore a relationship. First song we sang today um, talked about him being worthy of it all, and I thought that was really good. But but I actually even fitting what we're talking about, but I actually just thought we, we'd close with just singing about His authority. I, I like to just remind us, see, because you do choose, you choose who you will serve. It is theologically good to follow God, but it is also just logical because bottom line is, He is God. Okay, so we're going to close to singing about the fact that he is God, that he is the authority. Did I, uh, I hope you didn't cut me out during crucial parts today because I want to I make sure it says, yes, Joshua says you need to obey, you need to separate, you need to fear, you need to love, but that I'm not here to give you a, a to do list, okay? Uh, those are things that they were doing in response to the goodness of God and to live for Him. Those were never things that they were doing to earn God's favor or earn eternal life because you can't earn that. That's why Jesus came. If it were earnable by us, then hey, here's your checklist. Okay, here's your scale. If you do enough good, you'll get there. That's all a lie that uh, false teachers try to present to you. Here's the truth. Jesus Christ is the way. To know eternal life he is the way to know forgiveness once we know that and grow in our relationship with him then somebody like Joshua can say okay come on this makes sense let's obey him let's separate let's get these other philosophies out let's love him let's fear him let's make up our stinking minds to follow him but don't start with a list of to do did we make that clear Okay, so we're gonna sing about who he is again. uh if you'd stand with me, Father, we want to exalt you uh if if yeah would you take even just the as we sing these words to you as we th- sing about your authority, would you teach us this reverential awe described as a fear of you that would lead to our obedience, that would lead to our love, that would lead to our devotion? and uh, choosing to follow You. Would You teach us this now, even as we sing and praise You at the end? I pray in Your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-663. 2648. Thank you for listening.